Part twenty of the Fates of the Princes of Thubbard by Kenneth Morris. The story of Rhiannon and Pridri, the second branch of it called The Three Unusual Arts of Tyrinion and Gurigwalt Irene, and the Freeing of the Birds of Rhiannon. Three, the quest of Adenfunach, the third bird, and the opposition of the hosts of Bargodobud. When he came out into the daylight, it was out of a mere cave in the vast rock that he came. There was nothing with the aspect of a care there, and no tents of the encamped immortals, but only mountains along the borders of the world. He mounted Girur Gwintoith, and rode forward until he came to the field of Clandibai. It was evening when he came there, and the well was under no spell of concealment from him. He dropped the sword, the wind-wounder, into the well, it turned into a blue feather and floated there, not different from what it had been at first. As soon as it touched the surface of the water, to buy of the fountain rose up before him. "'I marvel that you should come here,' said she. "'Adan Lonach is made free, without your having freed her.' "'Princess,' said he, "'not with the two that are freed, but with the one that is bound is my concern. For the sake of bringing success to Prideri, Will it be permitted to me to go in quest of Aden Fuinach? Out of courtesy it will be permitted to you, and for no better reason than that, said she. There will be no success attainable for you. If it please you, give me news concerning this bird. There are better colours on her wings than in the rainbow, and her singing is more magical than any other sound in the world. On account of her pre-eminence, neither Glanach nor Chlonach will allow themselves to be compared with Muinach. Her music is the passing of the heart from its bondage, the fulfilment of the ultimate concerns of the soul. No one would obtain success at freeing her, except Prideri Fabpul, and even he would not obtain it, unless he were master of the third of the three unusual arts of the gods and druids. Yes, indeed, said Guri. It is known to me that he would need the spell of the three places. "'What three places are they?' said she. Three places in Wales, and the power of the gods that dwell in them,' said Guri. "'You have not named them,' said she. "'Rarely are they named,' said he. "'The first is the wood of Mon, and the second is this field. "'Water from the fountain I give you, and this feather that Adam Fuinach dropped here.' "'It was like a little cloud out of the sunset for brightness and beauty. "'Put you the feather on the wind in the morning.' and go forward where it may lead you and heed you this counsel said she let neither peace nor war turn you from this quest and partake not of food nor drink and give no ear to song nor story in the place where you may hear lies spoken for it is the nature of adenfuinach to abhor falsehood and it would lead to spells being put upon you as they were put upon her also on the day when you were born with that she was taken into the viewlessness again. In the cold of dawn and the youth of the day, he rose up and went forward by ways unknown, following the feather. By mid-morning he passed the ford in the marshland and mountains of Kairun, but turned not to the leftward. At noon he rode by the head of the valley where Kair Dreis from old had been besieged by the immortals but the feather had no mind for crossing the torrent there, and he rode on towards the east and upward, into the lonely places of the mountains. 
the torrent grew smaller and smaller as he drew nearer to its source from pouring and pondering over mossy rocks it was now but rippling over pebbly shallows and now no more than tinkling and whispering down the peaty softness of the mountain-side there all path came to an end and only the wild sweet breast of the mountain rose and rose above and before him gurogwintoith said he there will be no travelling farther for you whatever may please you thought the wind-driver there is good grazing here there was no concealing thought the one from the other between those two the feather still drifted and glimmered upward and made no pretence of crossing the runlet long he followed it climbing the steep at the very eye and birthplace of the waters a place greener than the emerald and lovely with rush tufts and forget-me-not blossom a sudden gust carried it to the left and it was clear there would be passing from the island of the mighty again not without the moistening of eyelids thought goody the foam and bewilderment of the world rose above him innumerable swift dreams drove by like snowflakes on the wind he heard the sound of rushing armies invisible above his head a storm and torrent of swift loud hoofs and chariot wheels a thunder and a grievous cry it might have been the passing of ten ages before he felt the touch of his forefinger on his eyelids and the moistening of them with the water of the well his feet were on firm ground again and the island of the mighty was gone but now there was no sudden vanishing of the mists no cessation of bewilderment what had been dim confusion took certitude and definition the tumult of phantom armies came dropping down into a grim clamorous reality he beheld the whirling smoke above him filled with the rush and onsweep of the mighty the cry that had been far and uncertain became the hoarse roar of a warlike multitude they gathered and circled and drove downward and inward upon him gigantic chariots whirled and reeled and vanished their scythes were of pale and subtle flame that leapt and flickered outward licking the mists kneeling charioteers leaned forward holding the reins they were of stern immortal beauty dark flame upon their brows for hair the warriors in the chariots leaned upon their immense spears of ashwood their eyes far and flaming with visions of war their lips apart their throats strained with shouting they gathered whirling and circling and drove on like the tempest downward and nearer louder and louder grew the tumult rarer the mist prouder and sterner the menace of their aspect sunlight gleamed upon the spearhead the axe-head upon the long flaming brightness of the brand downward and inward sweeping and circling they whirled impetuous as the conflagration among the pine-trees of the valley louder than the proud storm of the north streaming were their silken banners with due adornment of lurid dragons they were upon him the immense chariots imminent the menacing flaming spears at point there rose a shout a crashing a thunder like the ninth tempest-driven billow upon the craggy headlands of the north the sun shone out over a broad plain and beyond it over a lake of the width of the world the feather of adenfuinach hung in the air above the shore there was no sign nor rumour of an army anywhere goody went forward as he was nearing the shore he heard a sudden shout and beheld a chariot with its huge horses 
motionless between him and the shore and in it behind the kneeling charioteer a warrior dark stern-visaged handsome and vaster in stature than any in the world since the days of the emperor arthur guri knew him for one of the hosts that he had seen driving down out of the air the wings upon his helmet were of lurid flame his long wind-blown mantle was dark crimson and fastened with a brooch of rubies his coat was of dark blue linen adorned with silver ornaments of the value of fifty kine the greeting of the god and man to you said goody gual to Irene. the greeting of the god and man to you also said the warrior go back if it please you to the island of the mighty while life remains in your body courteously i refuse this request said goody i came here following yonder feather and following it i will go forward beyond the border of the world there will be no going forward without encountering the opposition of hosts make known to me what hosts they will be if it please you mighty and invincible hosts they will be the men of the king of bargod ubid said the warrior yonder is the lake of the bargod and beyond it is Caerheth. therein dwells a company of the immortals that have known no strife since the crying of the name it would be unfitting that their delight should be broken by men from the island of the mighty and therefore no one may pass the lake without overcoming the whole host of the bargod and it would not be possible for any man to overcome them opposition i desire and extreme fighting and not to go forward until usage shall have been complied with with that the warrior came down out of his chariot i am the king's disdain of bargod abud said he it is my right to be the first upon the field of conflict and to encounter the stranger body against body before any other man of the host shall encounter him it will be an honour to me to make combat with you said goody thereupon he made bare his breast for the battle according to the custom of the gods and men of the island of the mighty he raised the dragon shout and went forward against the disdain and the disdain against him body against body they fought upon the shore until nightfall it seemed to goody that he had dwelt in profound peace from the moment of his birth until then at nightfall he slew the disdain and made a pile of his armour on the shore then he turned to the charioteer take you the armour said he and bear it for a gift to the king of the bargod he did so and as soon as the armour was loaded upon the chariot man and car and horses vanished then there came up out of the water another chariot drawn by two immense pearl-white dimly luminous steeds it was three times larger than the chariot of the disdain and formed of dark bronze adorned with shining sapphires the warrior that stood in it was vaster of stature than the other more handsome prouder and darker of mien his long mantle blew out from his shoulders towards the lake it was of the colour of pearl and mother-of-pearl and shone wanly in the dusk of the evening on it was embroidered a carmine ramping fierce-eyed dragon brighter and redder than the sunset cloud his brooch was of the size of a king's breastplate a vast light-giving carnelian set with opals his helmet glowed and burned against the night sky redder than the rising harvest moon as for the spear whereon he leaned it was a long lithe keen impatient gainer of victories the greeting of the god and the man to you said goody gualt good greeting to you also said the other 
yonder upon the hill is the guest-house said he and therein there is feasting prepared for you to-night and the songs of seven skilful institutional bards and a bed of skins and silk upon the sleeping-bench with the dawn of the morning you shall be free to go back to the island of the mighty if it please you or if it please you you shall experience fighting here may it be requited to you for this excellent courtesy said goody i will experience the fighting and may it be requited better if the courtesy is extended in what way might it be extended rest is better after labour than before it said goody were i given my free choice i would have the fighting first you shall have it said the other and no cause for complaint of stint ample fighting shall you have where one opposed you in the daytime ten shall make war upon you during the night and the least of them stronger and more valiant and better at strategy than the man you have slain i am the pentyli of the war-host of the king of baragodibud said he it will be my right and privilege to be the tenth man at the head of them thereupon he turned towards the lake and sounded the high aton of the men of the baragod upon his horn and having sounded it came down out of his chariot nine stern tall princely warriors rose up out of the lake and came forward they were equal in strength and beauty and in richness of dress and armour to their lord the pentyli the dullest of their ten horned helmets glowed like the crimson setting sun the poorest of their glimmering pearl pale mantles was embroidered with a ruby-coloured rose-rich dragon the least of their keen silver-headed spears would have been capable of victories on the confines of hell courteously they greeted goody courteously in return he greeted them it is a delight to us they said to afford you this warfare we take pleasure in your pleasure of being one man against ten greater will be the honour of opposing you said he than would be the honour of opposing a hundred mortals then he raised up the dragon shout and went forward against them and the ten of them went forward against him and the pentyli the tenth at the head of them he remembered the warfare he had waged against the disdain it seemed to him to have been a peaceful and soothing dream he slew three of them before the rising of the moon he slew three of them between her rising and her setting he slew three in the darkness before the dawn at dawn he slew the pentyli also and made ten piles of their armour beside the shore then he turned to the charioteer of the pentyli that waited in the chariot take you the armour for a gift to the king of the bargod said he the charioteer came down and gathered up the armour as soon as it was loaded in the chariot man and car and horses vanished will there be going forward now thought goody and turned towards the dawn-white water as he turned a vast chariot rose up out of the lake drawn by two beautiful mist-grey steeds compared with which the horses of the pentyli were no better than ill-kept yearling foals the chariot was three times greater than the chariot of the pentyli had been it was formed of unpolished silver inlaid with turquoise stones for the sake of adornment and a magical virtue the warrior that stood in it was three times more handsome and better equipped than the pentyli and he was greater in stature his long wind-blown silken mantle was of the colour of the sky with whiteness of clouds drifting and wandering over it 
his swan-winged beautiful regal helmet was of silver whiter than the withfer when the sunlight glitters on the snows of january on it his brooch was of peerless pearl and it was larger than a warrior's shield the well-combed hair hung down over his shoulders darker and more lustrous than the starling's wing his shield was one great gleaming moon of silver the sight of his spear alone would have put the leagued and hosted demons of abred to flight the greeting of heaven and man to you in princely courtesy and warlike kindliness said goody gualtairine even better be it to you than to me said the other i am the king's heir of Bargodibuth, and i come to counsel you to return to the island of the mighty before harm befall you courteous is the counsel said goody and courteously it will be refused even if it be refused said the king's heir there is further courtesy to follow it the king of the bargod has received the gifts of armour that you have sent him and he desires to requite you for them regally for that reason the need of fighting will not be imposed upon you to-day nor to-morrow nor until such time as you may desire it yonder on the hill is the guest-house therein you shall feast until noon and drink until night when food for a hundred men shall be set before you there shall be ten skilful institutional bards to sing verses to you and ten more to relate stories and whensoever you may desire rest there shall be silk and furs laid upon an ivory sleeping-bench for you and the ivory inlaid with bronze and opals rarely have i been offered the like of this regal courtesy said goody may it be requited to you profusely and may it be requited to you even better if the courtesy is extended what extension might there be in the name of heaven rest after labour is better than rest before it said goody i shall have little appetite for feasting until i have crossed and recrossed yonder lake there will be no crossing of it without encountering opposition first said the king's heir i should enjoy the feasting better if i came to it after encountering the opposition said goody it shall be according to your desire said the king's heir where you oppose ten in the night you will encounter a hundred during the day the worst of them stronger and fiercer and more skilful than the best of the ten and i myself will be the hundredth at the head of them this will be a main privilege for me said goody an unwonted delight will it be indeed thereupon the king's heir of the bargod came down out of his chariot and blew the high aton on his horn for answer there came a mighty war shout and a company of nineteen and fourscore men came running up out of the lake in strength and beauty of aspect in dignity of mien and splendour of accoutrements they were none of them less than their lord the king's heir with extreme courtesy they greeted goody and not less courteously he greeted them any one would have known that they were all the sons of sovereign rulers accustomed to wars upon the borders of the world as soon as the greetings were finished they formed in battle array on the shore goody raised the dragon shout and went forward blithely against them and they went forward against him the least of them were much better men than the best of the men of the pentyli exceedingly vehemence was their onslaught with exceeding vehemence goody opposed them he slew twenty of them before noon and twenty more between noon and dusk between dusk and moonrise he slew twenty 
and twenty before the moon set. Between that and dawn, the twenty that were left gathered their strength and remembered their prowess and thundered upon him a rage to shake the mountains. Man by man he put quietude upon them and released them from their bodies, and at dawn he slew the king's heir also. Then he made ten huge glittering piles of their armour upon the beach, and gave them to the charioteer to take to the king. "'There will be no need for him to take them,' said a voice from the lake. "'I myself am here to receive them, and to give thee counsel also.' Goody turned, and beheld a chariot drawn up out of the lake by three immense chestnut-coloured stallions of supreme strength and beauty. With every motion of their shell-formed hooves, they raised up waves of spray and foam as high as the shaft of the chariot. The dawn sun burned upon their burning, tossing manes. The chariot was of gold, richly adorned with precious rubies. He that stood in it, leaning on his golden, flame-bright, terrible spear, was huger of form and limb, sterner and nobler of bearing, loftier of beauty, and more magnanimous of soul than any of the others had been. His winged helmet was brighter than the noon sun. His hair and his long beard were of the colour of the wheat-field at bright noonday, three days before the harvest. His long mantle was more purple than the purple flowing wave. On it was embroidered a regal dragon in the purest gold. His brooch was of diamonds, topazes, and rubies. His coat was of woven gold, ruddier than the gold of the dragon. His breastplate was like the sun, the sheath of his sword brighter than the lightning. "'The greeting of the god and the man to the king of the Bargod,' said Guri. "'Courteously and with respect it is given. Make known to me the counsel if it please you.' "'Courteous and honourable be the greeting to you also,' said the king of the Baragod. "'The counsel will be that you return to the island of the mighty, after receiving courtesy and entertainment here, and before the nature of war and strife and fighting is made known to you.' "'Courteous and kindly is the counsel,' said Goody. "'Courteously and in a kindly manner will it be refused.' I came here for the sake of going forward after encountering what opposition might be prepared. Opposition you shall have at the hands of a thousand men, said the king, and I myself will be the thousandth at the head of them. The puniest of them all will be ten times better and stronger than any of the men you have slain. An exceptional delight and honour will this be to me, truly, said Guri. Without stint or reservation it shall be accorded to you. All the battles you have fought hitherto shall seem like peace and quietude in comparison with this. But first, courtesy shall be extended to you, in accordance with custom, and in consideration of your valour and generosity and mighty deeds. I myself will accompany you to the guest-house, and therein you shall abide for seven days and seven nights. Each day I shall see that collops, cooked and peppered, are set before you, and an abundance of luscious wine and mead, food for fifty men in the morning, and food for a hundred at night. Each day there shall be seven score skilful, wise, institutional bards, the best in the world, to sing songs to you, 
and seven score more to relate stories and at dawn and at sunset you shall bathe in a cauldron of cure to strengthen you and there shall be a sleeping bench of gold for you at night inlaid with the turquoise and encrusted with the diamond greater will its value be than the value of ten thousand kine and on it shall be spread coverings of embroidered silk and pictures of the gods and of dragons worked upon them and beneath the coverings the down of sea-birds deeper than the height of a man excellent is this courtesy indeed said goody may it be requited to you in ample measure may you lack hereafter nothing that you desire hardly might such hospitality be surpassed even in the island of the mighty even in the house of the king of london yet it might be surpassed make known to me how it might be surpassed said the king and out of gratitude nothing shall be refused to you it might be surpassed in this way said goody rest after exertion is pleasant and honourable but rest before it is a sorrow to the brave disgrace would fall upon the whole kindred of the cymry were i to accept feasting before experiencing warfare i came not here for the sake of consuming food truly if the fighting might continue without intermission the courteous hospitality you have offered me would be surpassed be it requited to you for making this known to me said the king the courtesy shall be extended in accordance with your desires thereupon he lifted a dazzling horn of diamond to his lips and sounded the high aton of the bargod and having sounded it came down out of his chariot the lakeside lighted with the glory of a thousand dawns nine hundred and nineteen and fourscore were the men that came up out of the water the smallest of them was huger of stature than the king's heir had been the poorest in adornment shone more resplendently courteously they greeted goody courteously in return he greeted them noble were the words they spoke concerning the men of the island of the mighty noble words he spoke again concerning the magnanimity and lofty lineage of the men of Bargodabud. it seemed to them all that his friendship or his enmity would be equally delightful to them it seemed to him that it would be equally pleasant to him to oppose them in conflict or to feast with them in the hall will it please you that the strife should have its opening said they it will said he with that they drew up in battle array on the shore and sounded the war shout of the baragod and goody raised up the shout of the dragon and mutually they went forward against each other proud and vehement was the flight of spears hosted abred would have been frightened at the sight of it but he made circles about him with his sword and reaped the heads from the spears as they flew such were his skill and strength and courage and his complete valour that the learning he had obtained from tur fliant his foster-father and the lofty indomitable nature of his soul that they obtained no success or advantage against him he fought until noon and slew two hundred he fought until dusk and slew three hundred more between dusk and midnight he put quietude upon two hundred and fifty of them between that and dawn the two hundred and fifty that were remaining gathered their strength and remembered their old-time exploits and renown and came against him in such a manner that it seemed to him that they had been at playful sport until then man by man he prevailed against them and reaped them 
and caused them to quit their bodies in delight at the nature of the fighting they had experienced by dawn he had slain two hundred and two score and nine are you content with the fighting said he i am not content said the king of the bargod even though it has been such fighting as i have not remembered there will be no going forward for you until i am slain also they went forward with their fighting until the sun had shaken himself free from the edge of the world and shone wanly over the mist-hidden waters are you content now said goody gualtairine indeed i am content being slain said the king of the baragod then he said pleasant is death to me truly having become at last acquainted with the nature of fighting and war delightful it is to me to have received this satisfaction with that he rose up unwearied from his slain body and he and the whole of his host were taken into the viewlessness as for goody he went up to the guest-house and bathed in the cauldron of cure and ate what food he needed and slept for three days and three nights without waking here is what was made known to him in his sleep and dreams he saw the king of the baragod and the king's heir and the pentyli and the lordly disdain and the whole of their proud magnanimous host they circled about him in the air driving their flame-rich chariots unwounded they had arisen in great splendour they went forth circling wheeling flaming raising song here is the song they raised so far as he was able to remember it afterwards though we were slain full many a time full many a time have we risen again he that would hearken the ages rhyme must meet us here by the border main must bear his breast to the spear sublime till the mortal life in his life be slain and some shall fail for a thousand years and some shall win in a night and a day and the eyes of some shall be blind with tears and the hearts of some shall be always gay but come they singing or dumbed with fears they shall win ere they wend their onward way and he that comes and is slain on the shore shall he meet no more with the guardian clan hath he come to the peace at the end of war the peace that was ere the worlds began nay age on age shall the combat roar till that which was man is more than man for we that bide by the brink of time that have fallen so oft and arisen again should we leave unhedged with our spears sublime the world's far edge should we rest being slain ages were reft of their rhythm and rhyme and the star in the heart of the world would wane end of part twenty